Today is June 3rd, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan, and as I am recording this, news is breaking as we speak. It appears as though Earl Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford are finalizing the contract to fight in October in Las Vegas for the undisputed welterweight championship of the world. Mike Coppinger said both sides are really close. There's no giant stumbling blocks in the way. So it seems like all the things from the past that were huge topics of discussion have been ironed out. So hopefully we can make this happen. This is by far the best fight you could possibly make in 2022. Much anticipated and it's at its peak. Guys have all the belts. Both guys are still undefeated. Coming off extremely impressive victories for different reasons. Um, the styles clash that both men will produce. The mentalities going in. It's just the best fight you can make. One and two, however you want to flip it in the welterweight division. And the winner of this fight will be undisputed welterweight champion, but also undisputed as a pound-for-pound pound best fighter on this planet. That is why this fight needs to happen, and it seems like we're finally going to get it. And I can't wait. I'll see you guys in Vegas. And while that's the best fight of 2022, don't be fooled, because 2022 has been an incredible year. I keep saying this is a golden era of boxing. Last year was amazing. This year is taking it even a step further. So if we could cap it off at the end of the year with the best fight in the sport, that would really solidify this era as a whole. We're coming off a great schedule already. We're only in June. And last week, we just had one of the biggest stars in the sport, Javante Davis, knock out Roly Romero in impressive fashion, selling out the Barclays Center, 18,000 plus packed in. I was part of it. It was a historic crowd, the largest crowd in Barclays Center history for the sport of boxing. That's a big deal. Javante Davis, a star, just continues to rise. He is easily the most marketable American fighter right now. Deontay Wilder, I think, is the only guy that would have something to say about that as far as American-born fighters. Canelo Alvarez, obviously, and Anthony Joshua are on a different level globally. But for the U.S., Javante Davis just keeps carrying that torch. And the flame continues to grow brighter. Javante Davis brought the stars out in the Barclays. Pretty much a who's who of sports and entertainment stars from around the world really came to see Javante Davis do his thing. Everyone from Trayvon Diggs of the Cowboys to Madonna to Danny Garcia, Earl Spence, Tiafimo Lopez... The biggest names in the sport and the biggest names outside of the sport. Chase Young, Amari Cooper, Naomi Osaka. It was a star-studded event. It just shows Tank is on that level. Tank is that guy. I believe he was a writer from Boxing Scene. I don't want to mispronounce his name or anything like that. But he was quoted as saying, Many boxers are stars to the boxing community. Javante Davis is a star to the stars. He's a, different, he's a different cat. He, he brings in everyone. Everyone comes to see Javante Davis. It doesn't really matter his opponent. This time, it did help. Roly Romero sold the fight extremely well, talked a great game. But the thing that was more impressive to me is he brought his game. He actually went to Barclays Center with his jab in his suitcase. <laughs> he came to win the fight. He came with a game plan, and his game plan was working. I thought his game plan was really good. We didn't know much about his team going into this fight. We didn't know if they were capable of rising to the occasion. And I think Roley Romero definitely rose to the occasion. I don't think the moment was too big for him. 
Remember, this guy only has like 14 or 15 pro fights. He's very limited experience-wise, and I really think that experience gap was the difference in the fight. Javante Davis was on his back foot, like I believed he would be, for the entire fight until he landed that perfect shot. Roley Romero made the mistake of throwing the same punch multiple times in a row, and that led the opening there for Tank to counter and end the fight. Roley showed composure. Roley, I thought, was winning the fight. It was in the sixth round, so I believe Roley was up three rounds to two because Tank definitely won a couple rounds, but I didn't think he did enough to really be winning at that point, but it really didn't matter. That's irrelevant to the story of the fight, but I'm just saying the, the stock has risen for Roley. I think he'll get another opportunity in a big-time fight, not against Tank Davis. Tank already dismissed the rematch, and I don't think there's necessarily a need for a rematch, seeing that it was only six rounds. But Roley will definitely be in the mix. I don't think he's going to be some easy out. I know a lot of his peers were talking before the fight saying he's trash and he's he's easily criticized saying his technique is bad. Look, he doesn't look like your textbook boxer, but he definitely established himself in that fight. He gained Tank's respect. Tank did say, I realized I couldn't just sit in there and trade with him yet. I had to be patient. I had to wait. That tells me that Roley's strength and power is real. Um, Tank did have marks on his face much more than Roley did because of the left hook and the straight right hand that Roley was able to land. Roley does have power. I don't think just anybody is going to go in there and beat him. And now that he showed he has the patience and he has a jab that he's willing to be disciplined and stand behind and walk you down and not necessarily rush in every time, that's a, a new layer to his game that either didn't exist before or it was developed for this fight. That's the difference between being a contender and a champion. You have to make adjustments. You have to continue to evolve. And I think this loss will be good for Roley in the long run. I think he'll learn from it and he'll only improve. I don't see just anybody walking through that guy. I think it's going to take a real puncher or a extremely skilled boxer who can move and be defensive. It's going to take one of the two. Tank had the power, but he also had the experience. So we'll see what's next for Oli Romero. We'll see what's next for Tank Davis. Tank is in a position where he's the cash cow of that division. He doesn't necessarily have to take the Devin Haney or Cambosas or whoever wins that fight or um, the Ryan Garcias of the world because he can make big time money no matter who he fights. People are coming to see Tank Davis. It's the Tank show at this point. So it's up to him to really make the top, top fights. He has fought good competition. Esau Cruz is a good win. Pedraza is a good win. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz was a good win. Mario Barrios, who was at a higher weight, was a good win. So Tank does have a solid resume. It's just he doesn't have that great opponent yet. And I think he needs to really step up. He admittedly has never gone to Mayweather Promotions and asked for a specific opponent. He told Mike Tyson he hasn't done that. But recently, he's been stating he wants to take his career into his own hands. Many speculated it would be a free agency, that he would um, negotiate fight to fight, or if he would sign a deal with somebody. He elected to remain with Mayweather Promotions, but I just think he's going to be more vocal, or at least they hope he will, based on things he said in the past, be more vocal and make these fights with Ryan Garcia, the winner of Haney, Cambosis, 
There's plenty of other options in the division. Michelle Rivera, Keyshawn Davis, and of course, Vasily Lomachenko. There's a huge crop at 135. I just want Tank to start mixing it up with the top three, four guys. This weekend, though, it's all about Undisputed. Live on ESPN, this is no pay-per-view. George Cambosas versus Devin Haney for all the belts at 135. George Cambosas defending his WBA, WBO, and IBF welterweight championships against Devin Haney, who has the WBC. There was a lot of talk before about if he's undisputed, if he's not. It was a complicated situation. For those who don't know, Devin Haney holds the WBC regular championship. The WBC championship was held by Vasily Lomachenko. The mandatory opponent for Vasily Lomachenko was Devin Haney. Vasily Lomachenko's team put in a request to be elevated to the franchise championship, a distinction that was only before given to Canelo Alvarez. When you're a franchise champion, you do not have mandatories. It is a way to avoid mandatory challenges. Simple as that. They're nothing more, nothing less. I don't care what the WBC says. It's really a way to protect their stars. Boxing is a corrupt business. I don't know why that shocks some people, but that is the gist of it. Vasily Lomachenko avoided his mandatory, who was Devin Haney. Therefore, the WBC, via email, made Devin Haney the regular WBC champion. Now, when Canelo Alvarez became the franchise champion, the WBC stated it was non-transferable. You can't lose the franchise championship. It's, it's a distinction. It's not technically a title. Well, fast forward to Teofimo Lopez versus Vasily Lomachenko. All of a sudden, the WBC franchise belt is on the line. A belt that they previously said was non-transferable. Now it's on the line. Why? Probably because they didn't believe Teofimo Lopez was going to win that fight. He was the underdog. Well, Teofimo Lopez did win that fight. He gets a WBC franchise. He calls himself undisputed, but technically, if there's a dispute, it's not undisputed. Devin Haney is the WBC champion. Therefore, it was disputed. Teofimo Lopez fights George Cambosis, loses that title, and here we are. Devin Haney still defending his WBC regular title. Cambosos has all the other belts. It is time to finally have one champion in the division. And barring a draw, it's going to happen this Saturday in Australia. If you're in Australia, it'll technically be on Sunday. Here in the U.S., it's Saturday night. Haney will be without his trainer slash father, Bill Haney, and his co-trainer, Ben Davison. They both had visa issues for different problems. Luckily, he will be with his godfather, Yoel Judah, the father of Zab Judah. He'll be in his corner, someone that's familiar with him personally and obviously has a great boxing background. So I think he's in good hands. Hopefully, Devin Haney is in the right state of mind and can pull it off. I think it's going to be a really good fight. Cambosos has a lot of heart, but to me, there's a lot of flaws in his game, just like there was before the Tiafima Lopez fight. I think that was a perfect storm where Lopez, for whatever reason, was not on his game, didn't make any adjustments, was walking forward without even using a jab. He was just chasing Cambosos around the ring. But Cambosos himself also had a great night. To me, it was a combination of the two. And Cambosos got the victory. No, mis no uh, 
excuses. That's just what happened. That it was a bad night for one guy, a great night for the other. And it is what it is. I don't think Haney or I don't think Cambosis did anything super special that made him like unbeatable. But what he did do is unveil a layer to his game that I didn't know previously existed. He showed that he had the ability to fight on the outside, backing up. His jab is extremely stiff, and he was using it on the move. He could throw combinations backing up as well. I did not see that in any of his previous fights before the Tiafimo Lopez fight. So credit to him for either hiding this part of his game or just working on his craft so much that he developed a new part of his game, and that is what great fighters do. If Cambosis can continue to adapt, then he's much better than I thought he was. But that was something that really interested me. And I think that's kind of a missing narrative here where a lot of people think, oh, his style has come forward, come forward, come forward, which it was before that fight. But in his last fight, he just showed he has the ability to do something else. So I don't know why um, people aren't really talking about that that much. I think that's his best strategy in this fight. Make Haney come to you. Make Haney force the action. Make Haney chase you around the ring. That's what he did to Tiafimo Lopez. The difference is, though, Haney and, and Tiafimo have totally different styles. But I think the perception is that Haney can't really stand and trade. But in this case, perception isn't reality. In Haney's last two fights, which were his two best opponents, Haney showed the grit and determination to stand in the pocket and trade with guys who are bigger punchers than he is. Their narrative before those two fights was that Haney's a boring fighter. He gets on his bicycle. He's always backing up. He puts people to sleep. Many people were using that to disparage or discredit him by using negative terms like running away and stuff like that. In my opinion, Haney made a conscious effort to really sit down and trade with these guys because you've seen him outbox guys in the past. So I think Haney purposely stood in the pocket, traded with these fighters, and unloaded combinations, trying to stop them. Maybe he doesn't hit as hard as the other guys in the division. That may be true. He wasn't getting guys out of there. He wasn't dropping guys. But the fact that he was showing off his offense and being creative with his combinations where he's not throwing the same punch twice in a row, he's not throwing it in the same place twice in a row, he's varying the speeds, he's really making a statement and showing the world that he is one of the best fighters on this planet. I spoke about earlier how the Tiafimo Lopez fight against Cambosis, Tiafimo was chasing him around the ring, but he wasn't using a jab. He had his hands down. He was kind of just walking forward to him. Do you think that's going to be the same case with Devin Haney? Devin Haney possesses one of the best jabs in boxing, period. Do you think Devin Haney is going to blindly walk towards Cambosos with hands down, just trying to land a power shot? Absolutely not. I think it's going to be a case where Cambosis really picks his poison. Does he want to be a forward fighter and a brawler that's pushing the action like he was before the Tiafimo Lopez fight? Or does he want to use some movement and try to outbox Devin Haney and then mix in some power shots here and there? If he wants to make it an ugly, rough and rugged fight, I don't think he'll last the distance. I think Haney has too much movement and too good of a jab, especially with his size advantage over Cambosis. 
I don't think that'll work for Cambosis. I really don't. Maybe it will. He may have success. Jojo Diaz had some success. Linares had success when he caught him. But I think Linares is a bigger puncher, more savvy than Cambosis. And even if you look back at that fight, Linares was down 10 rounds to zero before he could land a big punch. So is that a risk Cambosis is willing to take? I don't know. I think whatever route Cambosis chooses, he's going to lose this fight. I don't really see him winning this fight other than a shoddy decision in his country of Australia. But I'm the same guy that told you. I thought Tiafimo was going to run through Cambosis. Maybe I am low on this guy. Maybe I'm not seeing something. I think he's a good fighter, a solid guy. He's a champion, undefeated. But I've seen him struggle with guys like Mickey Bay. I've seen him go toe-to-toe with Lee Selby. Devin Haney, to me, is a much better fighter than both of those guys combined. I think Devin Haney is a generational-type talent. If Devin Haney is the guy I think he is, this should be a masterclass performance and really a culmination of all the work Devin Haney's been putting in. I don't think the moment's going to be too big for him. This is a guy who has been kind of groomed as a young child into being a top star. He was hanging around the Mayweather gym as like an eight or nine-year-old. Like This kid has been in the spotlight for a very long time. His dad put in the work bringing him to Mexico when he was a teenager turning pro before he could here in the United States. So this guy has been around the block. He's seen different styles. He's been to different countries. He knows what it takes to be a champion. He's been surrounded with greatness. Floyd Mayweather, Zab Judah. He's been around these guys his entire life. His dad put in the work to get him here, and this is his moment. I think he rises to the occasion, and I think he does it in fairly easy fashion. I think it's going to be an entertaining fight, but a fight that Devin Haney is clearly winning. I see it something like nine rounds to three or potentially a TKO in the late rounds. Cambosos has heart, though. Cambosos is definitely going to be there to fight, especially with his country behind him. He's going to give it his all. He does have pop. I don't think he has devastating power, but I think he has stiff shots. I think he has stiff enough power where you say, I don't want to really walk into that. He caught Tiafimo Lopez with a perfect overhand right. Um, That was because... Tiafim was throwing a lazy jab. I just don't see that being available for him as long as Devin Haney is pumping that jab and using his range to really control the fight. But anything can happen. This is boxing. Upsets have happened this year. We've seen Canelo Alvarez lose. We saw Chris Colbert and Gary Russell Jr. both get upset this year. Upsets do happen. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just think it's highly unlikely. My money's on Devin Haney, and I'm hoping he beats him so bad that there isn't a need for a rematch. There is a rematch clause, but like we've seen in boxing, sometimes the guy doesn't want a rematch. (laughs) Sometimes you get beat so bad that your confidence is shot and you want to kind of regroup and try something else. But we'll see what happens. It should be fireworks in Australia. That is on ESPN. That main event should be very late in the evening, I think around 11.30 or midnight. It's going to be a late one. The time difference is definitely a problem. So check your local listings, check what time it comes on in your time zone if you're from a different country. But either way, tune in, record it. It's something you don't want to miss. It's an undisputed title fight. We're getting them now more than ever. Like I said before, this is the golden age, and it doesn't stop there. There's also a great card on Showtime Boxing. 
Showtime is giving us, I believe it's around 9 p.m. Eastern time. Super Bantamweight champion Stephen Fulton takes on top contender Danny Roman. This has all the ingredients for a back-and-forth battle. Stephen Fulton, one of the best fighters pound for pound. I think I had him number eight on my list. Definitely in the top ten. He isn't getting the credit he deserves. Nine out of his 20 wins are versus undefeated opponents. Nine out of 20. And he's been fighting top opponent after top opponent. His last four were undefeated. Two of them were world champions. He took their belts. But the interesting thing to me about Fulton is he does it in so many different fashions. He can do it different each time out. He can do it all. He can box you from the outside. He can counter you with power shots. He can keep you at bay with a jab. Or he can stand toe-to-toe with you and bang on the inside for the entire fight like he did with Brandon Figueroa. It really depends on the opponent's style. He's willing to beat you at your own game. Danny Roman is not going to be easy. He's top three in the division. He's a high-volume pressure fighter. He throws over 70 punches per round. He has a great left uppercut and excellent counters to the body. This is going to be tough for Fulton. I'm really curious how he's going to approach this one. Is he going to box from the outside? Is he going to say, screw it and just go toe-to-toe with Roman? You really don't know with Fulton, a.k.a. Cool Boy Steph. He is high entertainment, and he has the skills. He's one of the best in the world. If you haven't seen him, please tune in. Showtime. He's not just a champion. He's a unified super bantamweight champion. He's truly an elite fighter. Also on that card, David Morrell. He's on the co-main. He is somebody that 168, you absolutely have to have on your radar. He only has six pro fights, 6-0 with five knockouts. He started fighting 12-round fights in his third pro fight. If you're familiar with the sport, you know guys usually start four-rounders, six-rounders. They'll fight four-rounders for a few months, up to a year, then then move on to six-rounders. This guy is on the fast track. 12 rounds in his third fight. He fights out of Minnesota, but he has an extensive amateur background in his home country of Cuba. If you know anything about Cubans, you know they are all highly skilled. Think your Dennis Ugas. Think Luis Ortiz. Think Landy Lara. They are all technically sound. They all have extensive amateur pedigrees. Add David Morrell to that list. I truly believe he's going to be one of the biggest problems for anybody in that division. David Benavidez mentioned him as being one of three possible opponents. I believe he has the tools to beat Benavidez. Not saying it would be easy. I think that's a 50-50 type fight. But David Morrell is a big southpaw with real power and advanced technique. And he can move. He can dip low. He can move at his waist. He bends his waist really well. He is on the undercard of Stephen Fulton versus Danny Roman. He is must-watch television. When we talk about the young fighters, the top young fighters, Boots Ennis is at the top of the list, and that's obvious. But David Morrell, to me, is cracking the door. I'm not saying he's on Boots Ennis' level, but he's right there. He's the next guy. When you're discussing guys who have yet to be champion, and I think he holds a regular title, but we're talking about real champion. Canelo Alvarez is obviously the undisputed 168-pound champion. Boots Ennis, David Morrell, those are the two guys at the tip of my tongue when I discuss fresh, young, raw talent that is going to take over 
this boxing game. The best thing about this weekend is that those three bouts shouldn't interfere with each other. I think you should be able to watch the entire Showtime card before tuning over to ESPN and watching the Undisputed Lightweight Championship match between Cambosos and Devin Haney. I believe you can watch the entire Showtime card without any problems. Switch over to ESPN, catch the main event so you can see the three best fights of the night. That is when boxing is at its best. I, I don't mind having multiple cards the same night, as long as they're not interfering with each other. That's just stupid. doesn't make any sense. Even if it's your competitor, why compete when you don't have to? You both want to maximize your audience. Don't make us pick between the two fights. I believe the last time George Cambosos and the last time Stephen Fulton were both in the ring, it was on the same night, on separate cards. And just like this one, they didn't interfere with each other. And that made a great night. I remember... Um, the George Cambosos versus Tiafimo Lopez fight was on DAZN. And then later in the evening, Stephen Fulton versus Brandon Figueroa had an absolute war on Showtime. And both fights were, were amazing fights and took place without interruption from the other one. So hopefully this will be another weekend of great action. I don't see how it can't be with the guys I just mentioned. I think Bell to Bell, I'm most excited for Roman versus Fulton. But... As far as the implications in a glamour division, the Devin Haney fight versus George Cambosa just seems more important, just seems bigger of an event. And that crowd in Australia should be rocking. I believe they sold it out. If not, they came very close. So that shows that Cambosa's the upset over, over T of Lima Lopez really paid off. People of his country really did care. This is his first time getting a, an event at his home. He's been on the road for a long time. He's definitely put in the work. So I'd like to see how that crowd reacts on Saturday night. That's probably, aside from the Fulton fight, that crowd in Australia is definitely one of the things I am most looking forward to. Either way, I'll be right here to cover the action. I think I'm going to do an instant analysis either late Saturday night or Sunday morning. So look out for that. Please tune in. And I also will be previewing Now You're In A Way. The monster is returning. So plenty more boxing on the way. Enjoy this weekend. Don't forget to give me that five-star review. Share it, like it, do all that bullshit. Have a great weekend, though. That's the most important part. I'm out.